Hey everybody, welcome to the message. We are in April and that means it is getting close to Easter. Today we are doing our Easter theme message on communion. Come on. I'm really excited to be able to share this message with you all today because communion is something that we do at Lifehouse usually on the first Sunday of the month, we tend to have communion together. And so it will be the same for today. We will have communion at the end of this message. So if you want to get something to eat and drink ready in the meantime, let's get that ready and we'll be able to take communion together at the end of this message. But first of all, what is communion? Yes, we do take communion, but today we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into that very question of what is communion. We're going to see the context that Jesus took communion in with his disciples and the deeper meaning behind what it signifies. So I'm really excited to be able to share with you all today what communion is. So let's jump right in. To understand the significance of communion, we need to understand the time that Jesus took this communion with his disciples. Now, in Israel, they have many different customs, different celebrations, different festivals, and the biggest one of all was one they called Passover. And Passover was a massive festival that all Israelites celebrated together, and it was at this Passover festival, this Passover time, that Jesus had this communion with his disciples. And so in our day and age, think of something like Christmas. You know how everything changes, all the the lights and the songs in the streets and your, you know, Starbucks coffee cup changes. Like think of Christmas, like that big level of celebration. That's what Passover was to the Israelite people, to the Jewish people. And so it was during this celebration that we find Jesus having communion. So what happened was, is that, you know, the disciples, they are excited to have this Passover with Jesus. Jesus himself is very excited to have this Passover with his friends and disciples. And so during this time, the disciples, they go into town. It's festive. People are excited. People are bustling. They're getting everything ready. They're buying the ingredients. They're buying the food ready for the incredible meal that they're about to have together. And so the disciples also go and get a a place where they can have their communion together. And so they have this upper room kind of, you know, you know, reserved just for them, you know? It's like their special little area that's just for them. And so I imagine that the disciples and Jesus and other people are enjoying this Passover celebration together. And then it comes time for the Passover meal. And this is the most important part of this celebration. Everybody is excited for this Passover meal. Think maybe like, I don't know what your culture is. Maybe it's the Christmas Eve dinner. Maybe it's Christmas lunch. Maybe it's Christmas dinner. But something big like that, that's what this was. It might even be even more important to these Jewish people, but it was a big deal to have this meal together. And Jesus was even so excited because he knew that he was going to add something even more special on top of this particular Passover celebration. So let's take a look at what happened during this time. Matthew 26 verse 26 to 28. As they were eating, 
Jesus took some bread and blessed it. He broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant, the promise between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now, Jesus knew something really important that the disciples were completely unaware of in this moment. The disciples didn't understand the significance of what was happening in this moment because Jesus knew that just after this, that he was going to have to go to the cross and he was going to die for all the sins of all humanity. So that's why Jesus was excited to have this meal with his disciples because he knew what was coming next. But the disciples, they didn't really understand what was happening. They were just thinking, you know what, this is Passover with Jesus. We're here having a good time. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about this bread represents my body. This wine represents my blood. Like to us in this day and age, reading that, we would be like, um, excuse me, uh, disciples, Don't you think that's like a little bit wild? Like Jesus is saying some pretty wild things. Wouldn't you be like, yo, Jesus, what are you talking about? This is your body. This is your blood. Like, what are you talking about? But in order to understand the mentality of the disciples and maybe why they didn't quite understand the significance of the words that Jesus was speaking, we have to understand a little bit more about what the Passover actually meant to the Jewish people. And so, to understand this, we have to take a little trip back in time, about 1,200 years, to the land of Egypt. Now, in Egypt, we had the Egyptians, obviously Egypt, Egyptians, and they were obviously the ruling class of that time. And they also had a group of people called the Israelites, which were God's chosen people. And the Israelites were slaves for the Egyptians. They were there to be Egypt's slave labor. They were there to make, you know, all the big Egyptian buildings and I don't know, the Sphinx or something like that, the pyramids or something like that. Like that's what the, the Israelites were there to do. They were slaves to the the Egyptian people. And during this time, there was a Pharaoh, a king of Egypt, and he was not a good man. And he wanted to keep his slave labor because it's it's free and it's you know he could do whatever he wants with them and during this time where the israelites were at their lowest god chose to raise up a man named moses and moses is an incredible character that we see in the bible and god gives moses a an incredible task and this task was to lead the israelites out of slavery and out of Egypt altogether to a much better land, the promised land that God was promising his chosen people, a land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds like a pretty good land to me. And so this was 
this was God's task that he gave to Moses. Now, this is a pretty big and pretty daunting task, wouldn't you think? Like all of a sudden God says, all right, you're going to lead all of these people out of this country and you, we're going to make sure that the king of that country allows it. Like Moses was scared to, to fulfill this task, but God reassures Moses that he is with him and that he is going to deliver on his promise. And so God sends Moses. Moses goes to the Pharaoh of Egypt and he says, Pharaoh, I'm asking you, let my people go. And what does the Pharaoh say? Obviously, no. <laughs> the Pharaoh is not going to allow, he's just not going to be like, oh yeah, that's cool guys. Like, go ahead, like just go and leave. Like, we'll be fine without you. The Pharaoh was like, no way. I'm keeping my slave labor and I'm going to be in charge of all of this. Who are you to come to me to say, let my people go? And so Moses is warning the Pharaoh at this time. He's saying, Pharaoh, if you don't let my people go, then my God is going to show you who's boss. But Pharaoh was a stubborn man. He was a prideful man and he was a greedy man and he did not want to let the Israelites go. And so God sends 10 plagues, 10 disasters upon the land of Egypt in the hopes that Pharaoh would let those people go. God was going to show Pharaoh who was God, that Pharaoh was not God, that God was God and that he has authority over the earth and over the people. So we have these 10 plagues and it starts with Moses turning the water, the river, all of the water in the land into blood. Like this is pretty gross, right? And people can't drink it and it's a foul stench in the whole land. And Pharaoh still says, no, I will not let your people go. This is level one of the 10 plagues. It starts pretty bad and it just gets worse and worse and worse till we hit number 10. And by this time, people have had sicknesses. People have experienced like all kinds of nasty insects. The livestock has died. The crops have died. The city is in ruins. Rubble is on the ground. The Egyptian people have been through so much and they are pleading with Pharaoh, please let these people go because we are the ones that are getting punished. And even then, Pharaoh was stubborn to the end. And he said, no, I will not let these people go. And so Moses warns Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, number 10 of these plagues are coming. And it is far worse than anything you have. Ex you think what you experienced up until now was bad. This number 10 is going to be bad. Please, Pharaoh, have mercy on your own people and let my people go. And once again, Pharaoh in his stubbornness says, no, I will not let your people go. And so God warns Moses, this 10th plague is going to be a really bad one. This 10th plague is basically going to be an angel of death that comes down on the land and will claim the lives of all the firstborn. That's the firstborn children, the firstborn humans, whether they're adults, whether they're young, no matter what age they are. If they're the firstborn, then this angel of death is going to claim their lives. Not just the humans, but the animals as well. Like this is going to be a terrible, terrible plague. But 
God gave Moses and the people of Israel a way out. He gave them a hope. He said, if you do this, if you follow this, then your people will be spared. And so what they had to do was they had to find a lamb, a pure lamb that had no blemish, and they were to sacrifice that lamb and take its blood and paint their doorways with their blood. It's getting pretty gruesome, isn't it? But God said, if you take this sacrifice and you paint this blood on your doorway, then the angel of death will pass over and you will be spared and your people will live and you will be safe. And so we pick up the story here in Exodus verse 12, 28 to 30. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And the At that night, at midnight, the Lord struck down the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt from the firstborn son of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh's own son was not exempt from this plague, who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the prisoners in the dungeon. So from the first, from the greatest to the least, it was indiscriminate in its destruction. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during that night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. This is a terrible plague. This is a terrible thing that happened to these people because of the stubbornness of Pharaoh. And there's this, this old movie, this old animation called Prince of Egypt. I remember being a child watching this and thinking like, whoa, there's some wild stuff happening in this. But I also thought it was a really interesting story. And so right now, we're just going to watch a little clip of this scene of what happened in the land of Egypt during this 10th plague. I warn you, if there are maybe young children watching, this could be a little bit upsetting. Um, so please view a discretion is advised. So why don't we watch this together? God has come to me again, saying, take a lamb and with its blood, mark the lintel and posts of every door. For tonight, I shall pass through the land of Egypt and smite all the firstborn. But when I see the blood upon your door, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not enter.
Yeah, it was a pretty heavy scene, wasn't it? And you could hear the people wailing and crying during that time. And then right after that, we have this scripture, Exodus 12, 31 to 33. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you said, and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as, they, as, quickly as possible, for they all thought we will all die. And so we see this scene again in this little animation. Let's watch it real quick. You and your people have my permission to go. Leave me! It's pretty heavy, wasn't it? But to the Israelites, this was freedom. This was a celebration that they were finally released from their bondage. They were now a free people to go and live in peace and live as the Lord wanted them to. So this for the Israelites was a celebration, a praise to God of how the Lord had spared them and had set them free. And I really love this scene in the Prince of Egypt, in this animation of the Israelites walking out, of them singing praises. The song is super catchy. I would love to watch this with you right now as well.
Come on. Love that song, right? There can be miracles. I love it. So good. Uh, it just sticks in your head. I know there's some people, you know, at home maybe singing this song in their head right now. But this is a celebration. The Israelites went out cheering and praising and dancing and singing God's praises because he had released them from their slavery in Egypt. Exodus 12 verse 42 says, On this night the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. This is now called the Passover, where the Israelites celebrate, where they rejoice that God saved them from that angel of death and from the slavery of the Egyptians, that they are now a free people, free to worship God, free to live their life. This is the Passover because the angel of death passed over their houses that had the blood of the sacrificed lamb. This was their protection, and this is what they celebrate at this Passover meal. So now we have a bit more context of what the Passover is. Maybe we can, you know, give the the disciples a pass with Jesus for not quite understanding what Jesus said when he said, drink of this, this is my blood, and take this bread, this is my body, because they associate those words with things that had happened in the past and every year The Israelites, the Jewish people, they celebrate Passover. So maybe that's why things didn't click in their head. But for Jesus, he was doing a new thing. He was taking Passover and making something new. And this is what we call communion today. Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. The disciples, they didn't know what Jesus was about to do. But today, we know what Jesus did. That right after that Passover meal, Jesus was arrested. He was taken. He was mocked. He was beaten. And ultimately, He was nailed to the cross to take away your sins and mine. And three days later, He rose again. He's alive today and He wants a relationship with us. He wants to help us. He wants to let us know what His love feels like. And it all started at this time, which we now celebrate as Easter. And communion is now not a once a year event. It's a anytime, any moment thing that we can do because communion is simply giving thanks to God giving thanks to God for sending Jesus because God so loved the world that he sent his only son, right? To save us, not to condemn us, but to give us a hope and a future. And I believe that this is the greatest act of love that we could ever know is God sending his son Jesus to us to give us life and life to the full, as it says in John 10.10. And so there's another scripture here in uh, John 1, 29 that, that draws a parallel between what Jesus did and what the Israelites did back in Egypt. John 1, 29. The next day, John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Yes, Jesus is also known as the Lamb of God. And what did the Israelites use as a sacrifice to protect their house? A lamb. They sacrificed a lamb to cover their lives to protect them from death. What Jesus did for us is that he became the final, the last lamb of God to be sacrificed so that his blood would take away our sin forever. That when we become a Christian, we paint the blood of Jesus on our hearts to show that we are now protected, we are now saved, that Jesus is our salvation so that we are protected from an eternal death, not a physical death, but an eternal death so that when we die, we may go to heaven, we may spend eternity with God and Jesus, singing his praises with everyone who believes. And that is why we give thanks for communion. Come on, right now, if you're thankful, I want you to give God some praise. I want you to give God some thanks because Jesus was the final lamb. He was the lamb of God, the final sacrifice made for all eternity. Jesus did it on the cross. And it's all because of Jesus that we can be saved. I think this is reason enough for us to be thankful, for us to give thanks. And that is what we are about to do as we take this communion together. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what kind of week you've had, no matter what kind of season you've had, I want us to be able to just put that aside for a moment and I want us to focus on God and to be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. So right now, I'll just ask you to go ahead and get your something to drink, something to eat, and we're going to take communion together. Alrighty, the table has grown and we have our communion ready to go. Let us know in the comments if you're watching online what you're having for communion today. But for me, being the Australian that I am, we have recently discovered a place that sells lamingtons in Japan. If you Australians are out there watching me, hit me up in the DMs and I'll let you know where it is. But today, I'm going to be taking a lamington and water. <laughs> Looks too good for water, but it is water. And so this is what I'm going to be using for communion today. If it's your first time watching as well, feel free to join us in taking communion together. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray, we're going to give thanks, and then we're going to take together. So are you ready? Why don't we get what we're going to eat in our hand? Let's pray. Yes, God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you rose again, that you're alive today, helping us. So I pray that you would help those who are in need, help those who are hurting, lift those up who are down. And I pray that today would be a powerful day of restoration. In Jesus' name, let's take this together. I should have cut this <laughs> Mm. Oh. Lamington. Mm. Lots of coconut, so you got to be clean. <laughs> Alrighty. Why don't you get what you're going to drink ready in your hand as well? We're going to do the same. We're going to pray. And as we pray, this time I'm going to pray for healing. 
And if anyone out there is, is believing for a healing breakthrough for yourself or for somebody you know, I want us to pray for that healing, that today we might see that miracle happen as we take communion. So come on, let's pray together. We thank you, Jesus, that by your blood, we have been made clean. We have been made well, that you have the power to heal us. And so right now, I pray that your healing power would flow through each and every one of us right now. We receive your grace. We receive your healing in this moment as we take this communion. We give you thanks for everything that you have done. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Let's take that together. Ah, come on. Let's give God a big praise. We thank you so much, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. We are so grateful. And for anyone today that might not yet know Jesus, or maybe you used to, but you've fallen away. And if you want to come back to God, or if you want to believe in Jesus for the first time today, I would love to pray for you that if we would accept Jesus into our life, that He would come in, He would take away all of our sins, that He would be able to restore an incredible relationship with us and God. So if you want to believe in Jesus today, all you need to know is that He loves you, He died for you, He rose again, and He wants a relationship with you today. So on the count of three, I'm going to say now. And when I say now, I'm just going to ask you to respond in your heart to receive Jesus. Are you ready? Three, two, one, now, right now. Why don't you just make that decision to believe in Jesus, to accept Him? Come on. Why don't we pray for everyone that made that decision today? Yes, God, we thank you for these incredible people. Right now, I pray you come into their life in a powerful way. I pray that you wipe away all the sins. I pray that you make them clean. And I pray that you'd help them to walk this life out with you in your plan. I pray you fill them with your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, come on. I hope you enjoyed today's communion Sunday. I had a great time talking with you all. I'm excited to see the next few weeks about Easter. Make sure you invite a friend because it's going to be powerful. We'll see you there. Bye, guys.